What's up, brother? What's good, G? You hear me good? Yeah, I can hear you. All right, that's great. That's great. How you feeling? Feeling great, man. Just got back from a run. Okay, getting a little workout in. I see it. Yes, sir. We back for round two. Yes, sir. Episode two of King's Talk. So what are we talking about today? Man, you tell me. What's on the menu for tonight? Um, I don't know. Tonight, I just kind of want to discuss about how, you know, oftentimes in the African-American community, black community, we have, you know, our men grow up without fathers. So, you know, I guess from our own experiences, how that has shaped our lives. And then, you know, what community do we have behind us to like support and uplift, uplift, uplift us? Because, you know, it takes a village. So that's kind of what I want to get into today. So you can start it off. Got you, got you. I mean, I feel like, I feel like that's huge. Um, I feel like, you know, not only is it black men growing up without fathers is, you know, black women too. Um, Mm. It's, it's black men finding out that they're about to be a father and they run. Um, they do the the things to create a child, but don't want to take the responsibilities of keeping one. And I feel like it's such a a sensitive topic because so many people who have had fathers leave them has damaged them tremendously. So I feel like um, we can dive deep into this discussion and really get a better understanding on, you know, why do we think that, you know, black men have, you know, abandoned their kids or left their kids? What are the reasons behind them? So um, my question to you is, from your experiences, have you had a father or a a role model in, in your life that's been there for you or that hasn't, and how has it been? If you haven't had a father in your life, how have you overcame that? So personally, for me, um, I I grew up in a single parent household for a majority of my life, and um, but I was blessed to have a great support system. I always had my church family to lean on, and church leaders to kind of show me the way. Also, I had two very influential men in my family who weren't a father, but you know. They were instrumental in father figures for me. My grandfather, um, every year I went down to St. Croix, I would spend time with him and, you know, he poured life into me. He held me accountable and he truly taught me what it was and what it meant to be as far as what it meant to be as a man. And also my uncle George, um, he's also a big, big inspiration for the reason why I am today because he basically led by action and not just by saying his actions were, you know, taking care of his family, you know, being there for his family and investing in his family. So he didn't necessarily have to tell me, you know, this is what a man does, but just by the way he, you know, conducted himself, I had a pretty clear picture of, you know, this is the type of man I want to be for myself and my future family. Wow. I mean, that's amazing. I mean, not only is 
does that have happen for you? I feel like that's that's a lot of of black men and and black women's story. It's it's you know having other people in their lives and and other role models. Um, to kind of piggyback off my question and kind of explain my story, um, you know, I also grew up in a single parent household. Uh, I believe my parents divorced when I was two. Um, and so that growing up in a single parent household for those who have, um, it's tough, you know, not being able to have two parents in the house and, you know, sometimes having to have, you know, your mother play the mother and father role. Mm. Um, I'm not saying that, uh, my father was, was absent in my life, but, uh, we didn't truly have a relationship, you know, to where I could, you know, come and talk to him or he could be vulnerable with me. Um, I feel like majority of that is because uh, his dad died when he was young. So I'm not saying that my father didn't really know how to be a father, but he didn't truly know how to be a father because his died at, at such a young age. So before he could actually develop into a man and actually see, you know, his father do the things that, you know, a man does, it was kind of difficult to when, you know, he had me. And um, I love my my dad to death. Um, he's done his best to put food on the table, clothes on my back, uh, to put me through school and, you know, has done everything that he could to his best abilities. But, you know, it's one thing having a father and it's another yeah. having a relationship with the father, having a bond with the father and, and a connection with the father. Not too many people have that. Yeah, I know personally for me, I didn't have neither. I didn't have a relationship nor the financial support growing up. So it was all on my mom pretty much. And that's why, I, you know... Growing up in a single parent household is just tough because, you know, you're the only one that she sees and then you see her. And like that relationship as you grow into a young man and as you try to carve an identity for yourself is just natural clashing because, you know, she raised you all her life to be, you know, a young man. But then when you get to that stage or where, you know, it's time to step into that, it's kind of like that underlying level of pain of realizing, you know, this isn't like my baby no more. But I'll always be our baby, but you know, not as much anymore because, you know, he's into he's growing into a young man. So that's one aspect, but also kind of going off what you said, Coop, I think it's really important to kind of contextualize like you're doing, you know, the reasons why, you know, fathers might not be there. And like you said, it's not an excuse as to why they didn't do their job because as a man, you're supposed to do your job regardless be responsible regardless but you know like my father with his as an example you know he grew up without his dad so you know you would expect you know if somebody grows up without their dad you're like you know I know how it feels I don't want to you know put that on my children as well but obviously that it's just not the case you know it's not an excuse for his actions but it's just how can a man who wasn't raised by a father teach another one and, you know, that's a difficult question. But like I said, the context, he didn't have, you know, potentially he didn't have the same support system that I had. 
he didn't have the same role models that I had. He didn't have the same opportunities that I had. Does it make it better? No. Does it give him an, an excuse? No. But it's just the contextualization of it all that, you know, there's layers to it. And we have to recognize that when we kind of approach topics like these, that is is deeper than just the surface level of, oh, he wasn't there. It's, it's levels to it. That's true, man. I agree with you 100%. I guess my my question for you is, um, you know, what what kind of emotions stirred up as, you know, like just growing up in a single parent household? Because I know for me, like, I know I dealt with my emotions one way and, you know, I internalized. So what were kind of some of the emotions that you faced and how did you deal with them? Like, did you have somebody to talk it out to? Or did you kind of just like, kind of like me, just internalize over the years? Um, I feel like personally, I just, anything that I was going through, I dealt with it, you know, myself. I kept all my feelings to myself. I didn't really, you know, try to talk to anybody about, you know, how I felt about, you know, the type of relationship that I had and, you know, only being around, you know, my mother and sister at the time, you know, I felt like I had to to be the man in the house at such a young age. And, you know, that's hard when, you know, you're so young, but you're also trying to feel like you have to be, you know, the man in the, the relationship and, and have to do all these manly duties when, you know, you don't know how to do them. And so... I feel like the the more I started to grow up, the more I started to realize that um, I didn't know how to become a man because I didn't truly have somebody in my house every day to teach me how to be a man, to to teach me how to to treat a woman, you know, to to teach me how to to do all these things. It's it's something that I I had to to learn on my own, or my mother had to to instill in me and I thank God for her every day because um, regardless of my flaws and regardless of the, the insecurities that I've built over the years she has made it to her best ability to, to raise a great godly young man and so I feel like because I, I held everything in for so many years um, it's starting to affect me in my adult life and I'm starting to face challenges because there's years of, of trauma that I just let sit in my mind and in my heart and now it wants to explode in times of of times of situations that I don't really know how to control or who to talk to because yet again I don't have that relationship with my father or let alone um, an older male that I can be vulnerable with. That's real, bro. And I definitely feel like as you get older, you kind of see the consequences of somebody else's actions that as you face certain situations and as you encounter, encounter, encounter certain things, you just don't know how to face it. And I just know for me, that 
in high school, I kind of was reaching that stage where, you know, I was having that kind of surreal moment where I was facing things that I didn't know how to deal with it. But I just remember my youth pastor always just telling me, like, you got to bring your brokenness to God and let him make you whole. And that, you know, yeah, this is a situation that you face, but, you know, use it to your advantage. Like, use that to make you stronger. Because, you know, a lot of people who come from that background, uh, they don't they don't make it. You know, they get stuck in where they are. They get stuck in their circumstances. They get stuck in their environments, and they're just a product of it. But the fact, you know, you want to go to college and, you know, you want to get a degree and you want to be great, like, you're defying the odds. And one shining example is, like, really LeBron James, like, grew up in Akron, Ohio with a single mom, and now he's one of the most prominent athletes and entertainers in on the on the on the planet and it just goes to show you that you know that level of grit and grind is just different like it just makes you different like you said it causes you to grow up faster it causes you to um life life is your teacher because you know you're living day by day and life is your life is your teacher and giving you experiences so definitely definitely crucial bro Yeah, man, it's it's just crazy. Um, you know, the one thing that I that stuck with me the most is I would always tell myself, and it honestly it hurt, you know, me to say, and it hurt for me to think that, you know, you would sometimes find yourself saying, "I never, you know, want to be like um, this," or "I never want to be like." Uh, my father be in these type of situations, regardless of how much they're there for me, just for the mere fact of, you know, not wanting my future kids to say that about me and not have a relationship with me and not have a father that they can come to and be vulnerable with and and feel like, you know, they are safe and not have to go elsewhere for that attention. Um, I feel like that was the one thing that, that pushed me. Um, the hard work that my, my mom put in, seeing you know her do everything that she possibly could to, to make sure that, that I was good, it just gave me this, this drive and, and this energy to, to be great. Because if if I don't if I don't start my own legacy, you know, it's just gonna be another generational curse. And so that was just my thing growing up, making sure that I broke the generational curse. And that's 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 very imperative, bro. Because first, like I always tell you, like self awareness. People don't realize, you know, this is where I'm at, this is where I'm hurting, this is the generational curse. But then it's kind of like in the Bible, it just talks about how, you know, God set you apart. He's made you a chosen nation. Like, you got to believe those words that's, you know, that the Bible says about you. So it's the fact that, you know, you're actively taking steps to, you know, break that generational curse and your own legacy. It's admirable. And, you know, that's what sets you apart. That's what makes you who you are. That's a part of your story. And likewise, for me, 
my mentality was also the same, but it was even like kind of a step further. It says, if I don't do it, like who will? Like if I don't make those sacrifices, who's going to do it for me? Like if I don't make moves for myself, who's going to do it for me? You know, if I don't, you know, learn to shave my own beard, who's going to do it for me? Like nobody. Like just simple stuff. Like if I don't do this, do the things I need to do for myself and my life and my future family, family and my future legacy, like who's going to do it? And the answer is nobody. So once you have that kind of like mentality, like that you got to get it, then like the hustle is just there. And I just think that's what kind of people don't understand. Say like, man, like you're like, you're like one of the hardest working people I know. And it's like, it's a reason behind that. It's just like, you see, you know, you see struggle, you see, you know, pain, you see curses, generational curses. And you're like, you know, I got to put an end to this and it's not going to continue. So then every day you wake up, you're living in purpose. You're living in purpose for the future. And that, yeah, you're living in today, but then your mind is always focused on the future. You're always, you know, having a vision, you know, five years from now, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, 20 years from now. The vision doesn't end. And that's so important to have because if you don't, like you said, it's just a cycle continue. Cycle continues. The pain continues. You know, you're a product of your environment. Just the statistics alone, talking about, you know, the percentages of Black men going to college who come from a single-parent home. And I don't know it off the top of my head, but I just know it's pretty low. So refusing to be a statistic, you know, taking active steps to, you know, break the cycle, that's legendary. That's leaving a legacy. Indeed, it's, you know, it's a blessing to, you know, just be able to, to just break a, a few generational curses. You know, um, my sister, she graduated from LSU, petroleum engineer. Um, she has no kids right now. She graduated. Uh, I'm about to graduate and I'm going to be 22 in April with no kids. You know, so that right there in itself is uh, a huge accomplishment and a huge generational curse that um, has been broken, that a curse that has been continued through my family, you know, for for years, you know, and it's just a curse that, you know, you sometimes see to happen. There's nothing wrong with with having kids at a young age or, you know, um, people having kids in college, nothing against them. Hats off to those who who are doing that and who are moms in college and and still working and, and doing everything that they need to do. But it's the fact that something that was so huge, you know, to my family and to me, um, it's a blessing. Yeah, definitely for me, I feel that as well. You know, not only me being the first to graduate, but, you know, I'm graduating in three years and I transferred schools. It's like, I sometimes, I just don't get the time to sit back and reflect because, you know, like I said, I'm always focused on, you know, the future and what's the next move for me in my life. But I sit back and I think about how good God has been in my life. And it's just, it's, it's truly, I'm in awe. Like, I don't even have the words for it. Like, I'm truly speechless as far as, like, how good God has been in my life. That, you know, getting the opportunity to go to Baylor for, you know, a year and that door shutting, and, you know, God moving on to something better. And then coming to Texas State and not only finding my major and finding people to get connected in my field, but then, you know, still being able to not only graduate college, but, like, graduate in, you know, three years. 
you know, not even be able to legal. I won't be, I won't be able to legally drink <laughs> at my graduation. And yeah, people laugh and like people are like, man, like you know, doesn't that suck? But no, that's a blessing to me because like that means I'm just God has set me apart and is moving for me. And that's what you know, the biggest thing God has taught me that you know, age and greatness has no age None. limit. That you know, if you have, if you if you want something and you can do it he'll set you apart at a young age that, you know, Martin Luther King, he graduated from college when he was 15 years old. You know, David was, you know, king of a whole nation, appointed the king of a whole nation at 15. And so many other countless stories of, you know, men being chosen to do great things at a young age. So I think that's my thing I need to work on the most because people often be like, you know, you're only, you know, this age, like, what do you possibly know? But like I said before, it's like when life is your teacher and you learn a lot, it's like you mature like faster than a lot of your peers. And the way you observe things and the way you like your outlook on life is just like it's it cannot be compared. You're just like an anomaly. That's so true, man. Um, I completely agree with you. Um, to keep things rolling um, and dive a little bit deeper into this. Um, how do you feel like, you know, even though we are men and we're talking about us, how do you feel like it affects a woman to um, grow up without a father or, you know, have a father in their life and um, him leave? Only reason I'm asking you is because um, I have sisters and um, me and one of my sisters, we don't share the same father. So um, I just want to see what your, what your input is and how do you feel that if someday that you have a daughter, you'll be able to be um, a father that she can come to, that she can trust that will never leave her side? This is a sensational question. Um, just from what I see, I just feel like when a young woman doesn't have her father in her life at a young age, it just kind of, I don't, not again, just kind of a pretense. I'm not speaking on, you know, how a woman feels or, you know, how it is for them. Cause I can't tell you cause I'm not a woman, but just kind of from my conversation I have with female friends, they just say, it's just like kind of, you know, what we do with like who we are, like, who are they as a young woman? Who are they as a young woman? And, you know, that can kind of go into, you know, seeking attention from the wrong young men and, you know, going into bad relationships because, you know, there isn't a father there to, you know, display like, hey, this is what a healthy, you know, relationship would look like. Because I feel like a girl's, a woman's first love is her father, you know, taking her out on dates and taking her out on, you know, Father's Day lunch at school and things like that. Like those first couple of years are instrumental because, you know, if her father is doing all those things to make her feel like a queen when some bum comes her way later later down the long later down the line in life, she's not gonna entertain him because her father already set the standard. So I think with women it's just that the father sets the standard for the rest of the men that they date. And you know, if he, their father sets a great standard, you know, Lord willing, they, you know, they they act accordingly and, you know, have that same level of try to find that same level of love that you know their father displayed 
But then, you know, unfortunately, the flip side of the coin is if there's no father present, then, you know, you just end up in, like like you said, you know, kind of repeating the cycle of, you know, getting getting pregnant in college or just getting pregnant in general and then, you know, having them be a single mother. And then that cycle kind of perpetuates itself and it continues. So that's kind of my view on that. Gotcha. I mean, that's, you, you hit on some, some tough uh, points and some very valid topics. You know, um, it's, it's tough when you have uh, loved ones who are women and you see them sometimes grow up without fathers. Um, you know, just having uh, a sister who didn't have a best relationship with her father, um, it was tough. You know, just to seeing her her hurt and, and seeing her her pain, um, it it really struck a, a nerve with me. But to to see her so successful, um, so smart, so driven, you know, regardless of her relationship with her father, is is honestly, um, it's a blessing because sometimes you know you you don't you don't necessarily hear that. Um, when some women, you know, don't have their father in their life, like that, uh, that affects them, you know, even until their adulthood, because like you were saying, uh, the moment that, you know, they're born and, you know, a baby girl is, is able to, to feel the, the warmth and the, the love and the, the compassion from her father, you said, like you said, it's their, their first love, um, having someone who, who shows them uh, appreciation and, and to daddy-daughter dance and, and takes them on lunch and, you know, has tea parties with them, uh, reads to them, you know, helps them with their homework, you know, does their hair, you know, all the, the things that sound so simple, you know, mean so much to um, a young girl. But, you know, I'm not a woman, so I can't truly speak on um, how they're feeling or necessarily what they go through or how it really affects them. But I just feel like for those who do have baby girls and, you know, do have daughters that, you know, they need to, to do these things and to, to step up to the plate and show them, you know, how a real man is supposed to be, you know, if a baby girl is only seeing, you know, his her father saying hurtful things to her mother and doing hurtful things and lashing out, you know, sometimes that's all a woman knows. So when it's time for, you know, in certain cases for a man to come to them, that's what they think is okay. Not saying it is, but just having female friends and seeing certain situations, you see things like that happen. Um, I feel like um, as men, you know, that's just one thing that we have to step up to the plate and, you know, treat our women with, with respect. And, um, another thing, you know, from a woman, a woman's, you know, view from, you know, coming from a man, it's also, you know, watch who you lay your head down with and know who you lay your head down with mm -hmm. and know who you're having a baby with. Um, I feel like that's also a point and it goes, it goes both ways. Um, it goes both ways. Yep. Um, same, same as men. And so I feel like when that's, 
you know, more focused. And at the end of the day, uh, you speak to God first about a a lot of the situations that you step in, you know, bad may not happen in the end result. For sure, brother. I know two key things my mom taught me growing up that kind of still shape how I view, like, this topic in general. Like, you're talking about, like, watch who you lay down with. Um, My mom from the West Indies, she will always say, lay down. She said, what she said? She would say, lay down with fleas. Lay down with dogs, and you're going to get fleas. And as a kid, I was like, (laughs) what are you talking about? Because, you know... (laughs) As a kid, I'm like, what are you talking about? And it's just West Indian parents always have some, you know, metaphor or analogy for everything. But she was saying, you know, if you're laying down with somebody, you know, whatever they have, you know, if they're dealing with, you know, depression or they have just have this angry spirit or they just have this, you know, this kind of nefarious spirit, you know, that's going to you're going to pick that up. So, you know, if you lay down with the dog, you're going to get fleas. And, you know, that's so sick to me today. And also just, um. She said, you know, whenever you're want to get involved with somebody, just just ask yourself this question, you know, if they were to get pregnant, would you would would you want them to be the mother of your mm-hmm. child? So so that kind of rocks my world to this day, because it's like if, you know, I'm trying to get involved with somebody like that, but I don't see that. Then like, what am I doing? What's the point? And that kind of what am I doing? And that kind of brings the purpose to, you know this a purpose of like sex people just be like oh it's like some casual just some this or that you know get my pleasure <laughs> whatever but like it's spiritual yeah <laughs> you think it's funny but it's, it's, it's spiritual it's true for those who believe like it's true oh yeah most definitely bro but it's just like even for those who don't believe it's just like it's just an act of like you know you connect on this mental and this spiritual way and physical way with somebody so you're like you're completing the whole view of that person and you know you're connecting on all cylinders so that's why i just don't take it lightly in my yeah. opinion and that's why i, I just i move the way i'm i feel you i mean it's just like you said like uh you know our mothers do tell us you know to watch who we are with and watch who we you know lay our head down with because it's true you know just from a experience, you know, like you're saying, like if someone else is, is dealing with, with hurt, with pain, with depression, with, with uneasiness, with, you know, or just grimy, you know, and you lay your head down with them, like you, you take all that on and then you're wondering like, why am I feeling sad? Like, why am I, why am I hurt? Why am I feeling down? It's, it's because of uh, the, the connection and you know the the soul tying and just everything that it it comes with so i agree with you bro like it's it's something that when you grow older and you you know have a mature mindset about it like you do realize like it's not something to necessarily play with it's like playing with fire it's like when you're a kid, you know, your mom tell you don't touch the stove. You know, you touch the stove, but you don't get burnt. So you keep on playing with it. And then you get burnt and then you're crying. And you're like, well, how'd I get burnt? Sad. And, you're and you're looking goofy. Looking goofy. So it's just about, you know, just taking those precautions. Truly. 
Very true, very true. So I guess my question for you to just kind of keep things rolling is just, you know, so now you're self-aware. You're self-aware of, you know, the things that you went through in the past and, you know, that void. So as I kind of talk about, you know, things that you try to fill that void of like your father not being there with and then what are you trying to supplement it instead like that makes any sense like you know people fill their void with you know like you know success or you know money or women or you know like you said laying down with dogs so you know if that if any of those apply just kind of delve deeper into that and then you know talk about how you know there's really only one void one only one person and one being who can fill that void so kind of Gotcha. I feel like majority of my life, um, I try to fill certain voids with, with um, my success in sports. And all my life, I played sports all the way up until you know I was you know third grade till you know I graduated high school. Um, you know, sports really kept me busy because I was you know always going to practice or I was always mastering my craft. You know, so there was never too much time to to really think, you know, outside of of, of school because, you know, after school, after practice, I come home, I eat, I do a little homework or not do any homework at all and, and go to sleep or I stay up on the phone till six in the morning <laughs> talking, <Mm-mm>. <laughs> you know, <laughs> who you talking to? Who knows at the time, man, probably one of my little girlfriends. But <laughs> that was caked up caked in third up, grade. Man. Not even in the third grade. I probably had a flip phone in the third grade. But more like <laughs> and the flip phones was more crucial. like middle school, high school. But you know, I feel like I avoided my I, I built I put my time I filled my time with, you know, sports or you know, going to church or being involved in Bible study and everything. And so I feel like um my senior year of high school when I played the last few minutes of, of football, and it was something that I was so deeply uh, passionate for. I love the game. It was a, a I could go to the field and and anything that I was worrying about or I was sad about, I could leave it out there on the field and and leave the field happy because you know I had the the one thing that I loved the most. And I feel like that moment when. Um, the one thing that I loved the most was taken from me. It was like a a huge wake up call. It was a, a huge like slap in my face. Like, wow! Like, what do I what do I have to fill my 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 time with, or my feelings with, or my void with? Um, you know, I actually started to to hear my thoughts. You know, those thoughts that were you know put in a box for so long, they actually started to to come back up. And so, you know, I had to find more solutions on how can I, you know, fill this void. And so it was still tough when I got to college because I I didn't, you know, know what to do or who to talk to or let alone, you know, how to, to, you know, fill these voids. And so, you know, I would deal with my my pain and, and my hurt, you know, whether it be, you know, drinking or whether it be smoking, you know, I was filling it with all these voids that, you know, were eventually just leaving me empty until, you know, I was at my my lowest of my lows. And, you know, there were times 
my freshman year where I would I was in college and I would legit stay up till um you know seven in the morning just about every single night because of the the dreams the the thoughts the anxiety I, I was having and I survived off off naps to the point to where I felt like I was going crazy because I wasn't sleeping um until I realized you know I came home and my mom she saw something was 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 wrong with me and she looked at me and she said son what's wrong and I just broke down in in tears and ever since that day our relationship has has gone stronger because I I started to to open up to her and and to talk to her and try to, you know, explain to her what's going on in my mind and how I feel. And so until the moment that I realized I needed to to chase God and I needed to be rooted in his love and drink from his fountain, I was able to see a a light, a, a fire, this this energy that that no matter what I'm going through, that my God is mighty and he is strong and he can bring me through anything. So I get a little excited about it man, because it's so amazing. Oh, man. What? What can I tell you? Just one of my favorite Bible verses just says, like, taste and see that the Lord is good. Because me, I like to eat. So it says taste and see, and it's just always just like that gets me excited. And just like hearing testimonies from you and from people like that also just gets me excited because, you know, I feel that as well as far as, you know, being at my lowest and, you know, dealing with certain issues and, you know, God bringing me out of it and pouring life into me. Like, even, like, I know my senior year of high school, well, just in general, prior to, like, my household was always predicated on, you know, academics. If it wasn't academics, my mom didn't want to hear it. I would go outside and try to hoop and belong, like, <laughs> dribble your head in the book. Because, you know, that wasn't her focus. And then even when I tried to play sports, you know, she would drop me off to practice late. So I would just be running. I wouldn't be practicing, I'll be running because I was 30 minutes late to practice. So, you know, sports were never really, you know, an outlet for me. So I, my outlet was mainly, you know, journaling and, you know, music and um, and poetry. And that kind of refined my mind to, you know, learn how to express my, my feelings in a creative way just for myself. But I know my senior year of high school, I was just, I was really pissed because, I had, you know, reconnected with my father and, you know, just hearing what he had to say is just like, man, like, you know, why? Just why, you know, why did he leave or why did, you know, my mom be with this person and why this and why that, you know, why do I have, you know, siblings Mm -hmm. I don't know about? And it's like, I came to college and my mom was open that, you know, life isn't always black and white, that it isn't always, you know, definite and concrete, that there's ambiguities and that there's, you know, things that we don't see. So I had to take a step back and, you know, like I said previously, like contextualize it and realize that, you know, it wasn't a perfect situation, but my life still had purpose. 
And that's what really put a fire under me because, you know, the word of God says, you know, I formed you in your mother's womb and, you know, I predestined you for great things and I called Amen. you to be a great nation. And, you know, what, and when that word is your foundation, like it can't be shaken, it can't be moved. So, you know, when I would, when I would face things and the devil would say things to me and discourage me and I'm feeling low, like I would stand on his word and be reminded that all good and perfect things come from God and that all things are working together for our good. And because of that, I had hope. I had strength. I had energy. And even when, excuse me, even when times are hard, I just step my foot on that foundation and just stay strong because that's all I could do. So, you know, when you live in that kind of purpose and you live with that kind of vision, like it's life changing. People see the change and, you know, I'll praise be to God for it and praise, praise be to God for you, bro. For sure. Easily. It's just something that, um, you know, it's a, a verse that everybody, you know, uses Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, you know, and it says, for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans to prosper you not to harm you plans to give you hope in a future um it's something that that's so simple but it's like even through our our thickest times uh, our lowest moments you know when it feels like you know we're just getting we're just receiving haymakers from mike tyson you know god is is still pushing and wanting us to to be great and you know giving me the strength through my darkest times um i thank him i thank him so much you know because i wouldn't be where i am today without him um i wouldn't have the the love and compassion without him you know um a lot of men who don't have their fathers right now uh they hate their fathers um they hate them they hate them to the core and you know sometimes they'll find themselves being the same father you know that their father was to them because of that hate and so um that's also i feel like a, a big thing that you know we must try to strive for to to pray on and to, you know, reach out to our fellow men to, to let that hurt and let that pain go and, and be the father to their children that they didn't have. Yeah. So I kind of want to shift the conversation of the narrative. So I know for the most part, it's really been a vulnerable and kind of emotion filled topic because it just is you know it's a lot of pain it's a lot of hurt it's a lot of you know dark times you know facing this topic not only for us too but you know just black men you know men of color in general so I kind of want to shift it in a positive gotcha. way and kind of highlight somebody who you know who showed you as a man you know they're outside of your family so you know whether that's a best friend or a teacher or anybody who's not in your family and how they, you know, help shape you into the man that you are today. Gotcha. Um, I will say 
my my brother Brandon. Um, he uh, we met when we were like ten, and uh, we became best friends. And till this day, uh, I call his his mother my mom, and and his dad. Uh, you know, he's like a father to me, and so being able to to have a, a second support system, um, being able to to live with him for a few years when I was my mom, um, we happened to live far away and where I was going to school, I had to stay with him. Um, and just his family being there for me and, and taking me in as their own, uh, it was honestly truly a blessing. Um, anything that they did for him, they did for me. Um, I was able to see what it was like to to have a a mother and a father in the same household and and raise their their son to be great. Um, not only is is he my my best friend, you know, he's also somebody that I that I look up to and that I strive to to be as good. Um, right now, he's in Switzerland working for a architectural firm that is one of the number one firms in the world. And so always having that leadership and, and having someone that I can look up to um, help me become the man that I am today. Um, his father just, just having, you know, those talks with us about how to, to be a man and to to see how hard it was for him growing up. Um, he's from New Orleans. And so he came to to Houston when Katrina hit. So to to hear his, his family also come from nothing and, and start from scratch and for them to be successful and have, you know, the careers that they have now is, is truly a blessing. And so... Um, Seeing that growing up was was an amazing, amazing sight. Um, another one of my role models, I would say, is uh, my grandfather. Uh, he's a very successful man. Uh, he's worked very hard to, to make sure that um, his family is taken care of. Um, he'll never say it, but I mean, I feel like the man is a millionaire, but I'll never know. Um he's always shown me what hard work looks like. And he also taught me to work hard. So you'll never have to ask another man for something. Um, I feel like that's the one and that's the, the biggest thing that I've taken from him is work hard. So you'll never have to ask another man for something because asking another man from something is also Taking your pride away, which is very hard to do. Um, and so learning that very key aspect. And he would always say, um, it takes two points to get somewhere. Point A and point B, and that's a straight line. He said, you can either go in life in a circle and go to A, B, Z, D, F, G and I to get to a place where you can go to A to B 
And so I've always tried to keep that mindset whenever I'm making decisions as far as my life. And so because of that, I'm able to continue to strive for greatness because I'm able, I've been able to see what greatness, what greatness looks like. That's beautiful. That's, that's really beautiful, man. Just hearing how Brandon's family, you know, took you in as their own and, you know, help you in your time and need for your, for your life and for you to be in a better position. That's, that's truly love, bro. And hearing your grandfather, I can kind of relate because, you know, my grandfather in St. Croix, um, I would go down and I'll be with him and I spend the entire summer with him every summer as a kid. And, you know, he does like some of the hardest work that I've ever seen in my life. He builds houses from scratch in the community. So he builds them from scratch and then he either sells them or keeps them as his own as property and kind of a business equity and like leverage, or he um, rents it out to tourists who come to our island. And just hearing his story of like, he came from the British, one of the British Virgin Islands, not the British Virgin Islands, I forgot what island it was. He was either Antigua or um, St. Kitts, one of the two. But um, just telling me how he grew up, you know, during the time where they had, you know, blacks working and doing indentured, servitude with you know sugar cane you know his family didn't get paid for it and he didn't he couldn't go to school and telling me stories of you know he didn't have shoes till he got married that he didn't own a pair of shoes till you know he got married to my grandmother and just hearing how he literally came from nothing you know barefoot and you know coming to the U.S. Virgin Islands and you know building houses from scratch and you know learning business you know, he doesn't have a college degree or a high school degree, but he can tell you how many inches are in a foot. And, you know, the square foot is needed for a 10-bedroom house. And he can tell you the square foot is needed for, you know, a two-story house. And just hearing his mind and how he, you know, breaks things down, it's truly, like, it's just inspiring to me because, you know, if he can literally come from that and, you know, build all these houses, have all these properties, and do all this, then, like, I really don't have an excuse because, you know, I live in America and I can go to college and I can do great things. So it's no excuse as to why I can't do anything I set my mind to. And the biggest thing he always taught me was just always be yes, humble. Sir. That no matter what, no matter what, always, always keep God first and then your family and your friends and just be humble. Because people will be like, oh, Benjamin, you have all these houses, you have these properties, you know, you're famous. He's like, no, like God put me up. God set me up. And literally, if you saw my grandfather right now, you think he's like, I'm not trying to be mean. You think he's a homeless man on the street because he doesn't believe, you know, the whole um, the whole kind of persona of, you know, flashy and all this and stuff. He's very, you know very humble in how he dresses, you know, sometimes even wearing clothes and shoes with holes in it just because, you know, that's how he grew up. And just seeing that now is just like, it's just inspiring to me because, you know, I want to reach that level of humbleness where, you know, no matter how much success I have, I'll never forget where I came from or, you know, my journey to get it. So he's truly a foundation for my family. And, you know, the he's that guy. 
he's that guy. And secondly, I have to say, you know, my youth pastor growing up, um, Pierre, because, you know, the church goes to Houston is by um, our main pastor. He's from the West Indies, too. He's from Guyana. So his son, you know, grew up under a West Indian household in America. So, like, a lot of the time when he would preach, I could connect with him about what he was saying because, you know, as I said, as we talked about before, Jacob, like I said, I was, like, kind of living in two different worlds. So hearing him preach and being able to talk to him and build a relationship, I learned how to kind of walk in between those two worlds, you know, not forgetting where I'm from or my traditions, but also learning, you know, this is how things are done, like, here in Texas. So hearing his story, hearing, you know, how he navigated and, you know, face challenges and always kept out first like that really inspired me and just you know always being there for me no matter what and always you know speaking life over me he's been there with me through you know fifth grade all the way to you know college now I can still call him to this day and like I'm eternally grateful for him because you know I really look up to him and you know I wouldn't I wouldn't have that model of you know like this is what a, a young man should like be when he grows up because he's only he's like in his mid-30s so he's relatively young so he really kind of shows that model of you know this is what you know a 21st century man looks like who still loves God and who fears God so yeah those are two very instrumental men for me it's amazing brother I mean I feel like what we can take from this and what other men can take from this is no matter the other situations that you're in, um, no matter the the relationships we have with our fathers, um, as long as we have God first, greatness will happen. Um, Whether we find him today or 10 years from now, um, God has a final say. And through him and with him, we can overcome anything. Amen. My favorite song in church is like, you're a good, good father. And it just always, it Man. always got me emotional because it's just like, you're not just like, not just yeah, good, it's, but it's, like good. It's who you are, man. Like it's, good. It's who you are. He's, yeah. You're good, not only good for, you know, for who you are as my eternal father, but good for, you know, somebody who didn't live up to his expectations as my earthly father. So not only that you're good, but you're good, good. And, like, that just gives me goosebumps when I talk about it. Because, like, you can be like, man, that guy, he's a good hooper. Good, good. But you'd be like, man, that guy, good, That's good. you like, oh, he good, good. So, like, he's, he's, he's our good, good father. You know, even when, you know, our earthly father kind of falls short or doesn't meet expectations. He's still that good, good father at the end of the day. And I'm just and even in our times, him. we feel like he's not there. He is. So, oh, all have the time. faith, omnipresent. Trust the Lord that everything's gonna be okay, and He will see, you know, the men and the women through. And um, I just want to thank the good Lord for him, and I uh, pray that God touches um, young men and young women's lives who don't have fathers in their lives right now, and just just touch their hearts, Lord, and. And that you protect them and that you you guide them, you know, to you. Truly, bro. 
any final uh, I just want to thank God that, for but... another day of life and um, bless those around us, those who are um, hurting right now. Um, Lord, I ask you that you give those people peace and a place of comfort. Um, Lord, I ask you that you wake up uh, our loved ones tomorrow and um, tomorrow's a new day, a new day to be great. And um, Lord, I thank you for Jonathan. I thank you for allowing to to move through us and to allow us to, to share our thoughts uh, here tonight on this podcast. So Lord, we love you. We bless you. We adore you. And um, thank you. Amen, bro. And just just kind of one last kind of nugget. Um, just don't be victims to your mm-hmm. circumstances. Just, you know, your mindset has to shift from you're the victim to the victor. That, you know, what the devil sent out for you to be for your bad, God has sent it for your good. So, you know, even if you don't deal with, you know, being in a single parent household, if you face other issues in your life, you know, you got to shift your mindset from, you know, I'm the victim to I'm the victor. Because once you're the victor, you already overcame it. Because it all starts, it all starts in your mind, your mindset. And, you know, once you start believing and, you know, telling yourself certain things that, you know, you will manifest and act and move accordingly. And, you know, it all starts in your mind. So be careful what you're putting into yourself. Be careful what you're listening to. Be careful what your friends are telling you because, you know, that can cloud your vision and your purpose. And that can cloud the truth of what you really need to see and how you need to move. So, you know, don't be a victim to your circumstances. Remember that you are the victor and not the victim. You're the victor. Amen. Because there's victor in Jesus. Amen. Well, it's been real. Y'all stay tuned. We got more um, topics coming up. Catch you on the next episode. Episode two of King's Talk is officially. We out. Y'all be blessed. We out.